Good morning and welcome to Radio Veritas and the Jesuit Institute Hour. My name is Francis Correa and I'll be with you for the next hour along with Pamela Moringa. And this morning we're going to be chatting first of all to Father Anthony Egan. We're going to be talking a little bit about his experiences down in Grahamstown. And then a little bit later in the show, Pamela and I will have a conversation a little bit about my experiences because I've been traveling up to Nairobi. And so we'll talk a bit about what I was doing there and why. But now we want to welcome Father Anthony Egan. Good morning, Anthony. How are you this morning? I'm good, thanks, Francis. So I know Very you're good. Good. I know you've been doing exciting things down in Grahamstown. Can you tell us a yeah. little? You went down for the festival. Can you tell us a yes. little bit about what you were doing there, and then we'll talk a bit about what was also happening at the festival. Yeah. Well, I went down basically for a few days' break because I rather enjoy the Grahamstown festival. You know, with all the plays and music and art and everything that's on. I was also giving a talk at the cathedral, Bramstown Cathedral, part of their, their sort of lecture series. They have a lecture series during the week. And I spoke on the, on the Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but I mean, generally I was just doing, uh, doing a sort of look around to see what's, what's happening in the, in the art world and, and theatre world. And uh, some very interesting things. Okay, well, that sounds good. Do you want to tell us about some of what you noticed in the art and theatre world, some of those interesting things? Well, certainly in the theatre world, uh, you know, festival is a very interesting combination of, I suppose, traditional, classical, Western-style theatre and contemporary theatre, uh, professional people doing, doing sort of shows, often as premieres before they go on the, on the road, uh, and, you know, putting their shows on in Cape Town and Durban and other places. Mm-hmm. And, and then other folks, students, drama students, who will do, who will do a sort of production. And basically every major drama department, university drama department in the country, will have something that's been put on by some of its senior students. And so you get a sense of the young up-and-coming actors as well, uh, those who are basically still, you know, honing their craft, but it's very, uh, it's always very exciting just to listen and see what's, what's going on and to get a sense of what what different things are being performed, because they give you a sense of, of the state of the nation, the way people are thinking. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of that thing of art providing a lens through which we can see our reality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fascinating. Just for example, uh, when we talk about things like visual art, I mean, you look at some of the, the painters who were on display. I mean, both, you know, fine art students near the end of their studies and established painters. It struck me as quite interesting to see the older the painter, the more traditional the style and content. So, for example, lots of landscapes or seascapes or things like that. Mm-hmm. But among the younger artists coming up, a lot more abstract, much more political sort of undertone to, to the work, mm-hmm. are really reflecting upon the, the state of the world as they see it and the state of their own experiences. So, mm-hmm. in a sense, very, very interesting comment on, on what, you know, what you see. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything from, you know, abstract 
impressionist painting, through to all these new developments in what they call performance art, where it's, it's, it's almost like a kind of dramatic performance where the artist actually does the art as you speak, you know, um, movement, dance, sound, all things move together. It was a very interesting display of, of some, what I suppose you could call um, a, a, a graphic art uh, using computers, so computer-generated imagery. And there was one in particular, particular that was fascinating because it was a cartoon. It was a whole story, but it was all about, essentially, um, people working in this rather bleak future, and there's a rebellion against this, this, this uh, rather oppressive uh, regime and overthrow of of this sort of rather corrupt oligarchy. Uh, if this was all done uh, almost like a kind of B film, but it was all by cartoon and mm. very cleverly put together using a mixture of photographs, graphics, uh, computer imagery, all the rest. Uh, and that was that was I thought a very interesting example of what's going on among the younger artists at the moment. But then you have the more sort of mainstream stuff. You have the, um, particularly concerts. I mean, you had the, I think it was the Cape Town Symphony Orchestra who had a concert. You had the National Youth Orchestra, which was also very interesting because I actually bumped into them while they were rehearsing in Port Elizabeth mm-hmm. before I went to, to the festival. And they did performances at the festival, which was very impressive, you know, because they come from all over the country. Uh, essentially what happens is they come together for about a week beforehand. They get intensively trained by their conductor, who in fact is the head of music at Kingswood, the school in, in Grahamstown, plus a kind of core group of professional musicians in different areas, wind instruments, percussion, things like that, who in a sense take, put these good, very good kids who've all basically got in on a kind of audition. And they're regarded as the best at the moment in the country among young people between 14 and 25. And they, and they are, have, to, have to basically be, be turned into an orchestra wow. literally a week before they go and do their performance. Wow. And very impressive stuff. I mean, I mean, they, they had, um, for example, um, Elgar's Pomp and Circumstance was one of the pieces they played, which was, you know, very rousing stuff. But then they also had, I can't remember, I think a Rossini piece as well. And it was very impressively put together. And the fact that, you know, these kids are basically rehearsed it all literally a week before and basically taken a group of really talented individuals and melded them together into an orchestra. It was very impressive. That's amazing. Um, I thought that was very, very impressive sort of thing. So there are all those kind of things, and, and then stage plays as well, some very interesting plays. Mm-hmm. Which of the plays really remains in your memory, Anthony? Well, there were a number of them for different reasons. Um, the one play that I really enjoyed uh, was called Out of Bounds, which was basically the life of a young Indian boy growing up in Durban, and his whole family. And it's basically two boys, two young men, final year drama students from Cape Town. And they play every single role, literally by, you know, putting on a hat, putting on dark glasses, wrapping a sari around their head, and they move from being the central character to the grandmother to the sort of slightly gangster uncle, 
through to police that, that you know, stop the family at the beach, uh, when they're sitting on the beach having, having, a, having a picnic on the beach, but they get chased off because of the whole group areas. All those sort of things. And this whole performance is done literally high speed, uh, minimal set, but it's so convincing. It was really amazing. I'm, I'm absolutely stunned by the way it was so simple yet so cleverly done. You know, you don't need a vast set and enormous amount of technology to do that. And yet it really, really was excellent theatre. Then um, you had other things which were all about storytelling and art of storytelling. And, you know, there were stories within stories. There's one called um, Couplet, where these two women were performing as essentially the sort of vaudeville actors, but they tell stories using a combination of puppets and shadows and 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 and, and just simply sheer storytelling. And each of the stories is about some aspect of things like fear or honesty, love versus um, fear, things like that. Very interesting little sort of moral tales, which in a strange way were interesting because you could watch them on two levels. I mean, I was with uh, a friend of mine and his children, and the kids could see the, 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 the story on one level. And every now and then I would like to look at him and he'd look at me and we'd go, wow, yes. Because uh, there were all kinds of parallel meanings in the story. It's just very cleverly done. And then there were a number of a bit more big, big sort of production numbers. Uh, one was called Mumba Republic, which is a kind of two-man show, uh, essentially a political review, political satire. Mm-hmm. Um, very well done. Another one called Payback for Curry. <laughs> um, and state ca- um, what's state of capture? I think was called as the other one, uh, but basically political uh, political satire. So it was a, it was heavily political in terms of a lot of the tone was about you know very critical of what's going on in the country at the moment. Um, quite militant some of the, some of the, some of the way, way in which it was being expressed. So there was a kind of there was an echo of 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 the. Of you know of the the current confusion in the country and the conflict in the country, in a lot of the theatre, and then there were also the more traditional things as well, but often given an interesting spin. Hmm. That sounds. I mean, it all sounds like so much fun, Anthony. I'm just yeah. thinking about how how often. I meet people who've never been to the Grahamstown Festival, who don't really, mm. it doesn't really figure in their um, annual map of things they might be wanting to do. And I just wonder yeah. if you want to say just a few words about why it might be important for us as a country to keep supporting the Grahamstown Festival and mm. why it might be important to consider going to it at least once in one's lifetime. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I'm glad you said that because... One of the things I noticed this year was there was sizably fewer people at the festival, okay. I suspect, than last year. Certainly my, just my impression going around, there weren't as many people as there as as were in previous years. And I think partly that's about economics. Mm. You, know, and the, you know, the economy is in a bad state. Partly I think it's because there may be a kind of a shift of, of interest you know, it's expensive to go to the festival because you have to get to Grahamstown, uh, which means you either drive or you have to fly to PE or East London, and then you drive. So it, it's not a very good place, in a sense, to have the festival, in a sense, in terms of geography. But there's just something about having it in a small 
university city like Grahamstown, where literally what happens is the city is turned into one big theatre. Uh, it's all these buildings that, that they have around around Grahamstown, which are suddenly turned into places which become theatres, whether it's school halls, church halls, um, lecture rooms, the cathedral, St. Patrick's, the Catholic Church, all of those places, remarkable. Um, I think it's important that we keep up this whole festival because it really does showcase talent. It showcases excellent, excellent talent that we, we, we have that we don't often see. And I think it really does give us a sense of the, the sheer complexity and variety of South African culture. So, you know, everything from classical music to African bands through to jazz, different forms of art, different forms of theatre, increasingly theatre in multi-languages, mm. um, which is quite fascinating. And, and I think you really, you, you, you're going to miss something if you decide it's too much bother uh, and you don't, you don't go to the festival. I mean, I'm a convert <laughs> to the festival. I mean, the first time I went to the festival was about five years ago. And up until then, I'd never been to the festival. I'd heard all about it and thought, I really must go. I really must go sometime. And then, what, then I went. And I thought, damn it, this is so good. You know, I must just take, take you know, five days off on leave and go and just enjoy. Because there's so much that you can see and hear. There's so much interaction. There's also lots of intellectually stimulating stuff going on. I mean, they have a whole sort of sub-festival which essentially is intellectual activity. So, for example, debating things like climate change was one of the big things this year. Mm -hmm. uh, looking at political crises, their book launches, and, and things like that, which are quite amazing. Oh, sounds amazing. I've just had a question come in, Anthony. Someone wants yeah. to know, why is the festival in Grahamstown? Do you, do you know the history of how it comes to be in Grahamstown? Okay, now... I'm not totally sure. What happened essentially was it started out as a festival, I think, of English. Mm -hmm. uh, English theatre, English art and drama. It, I think the brains behind it, if I'm not mistaken, was the late Professor Guy Butler. Mm, he was right. Professor of English at Rhodes and felt that, you know, we needed something like a, a, sort of a festival of theatre and drama and art that they had, for example, in places like Edinburgh, mm. uh, in, of course, in, in, in Scotland, and even places like Chichester. Now, Chichester would, be, would have been, you know, it's a cathedral town, but it has a kind of theatre, we used to have a theatre festival, which was often linked into, for example, the medieval mystery plays, yes. so sort of religious dramas. And I think Buffalo just felt that, you know, it would be a good idea to, to showcase theatre and drama and stuff like that and out of that, then, it became more multilingual. And it, you know, obviously, it was interesting. It started out, I think, very much as a, as a, as a, a focus on, on all things English. Mm. So, for example, English theatre, English poetry, English literature, and, you know, music and drama as well. But then what happened as well, they, they, then they said, well, well, that's, that's, you know, that's not the only language. So then it, there was more, more Afrikaans stuff came in. 
And so it was basically an English Afrikaans thing in the from, from the 70s onwards, 70s, 80s, I think it was. And then, of course, other languages were coming in because, you know, we were saying, well, then you can't have this this sort of national festival of, of arts and, and, you know, exclude 80% of the, you know, of the speakers, uh, of, you know, mother tongue speakers in the country. So then, then we had things of African music and African drama coming in as well. And as I say, I think that's how it grew. But I do think it, it goes back to people like Guy Butler in the, in the late 70s. If I'm not mistaken, around 78 or thereabouts. Yes. But I wouldn't put my neck out on the exact date. But no. it, it came out of that idea. Oh, it's I... quite interesting because if you, if you walk around uh, Grahamstown and you walk out of the main gate of Rhodes University and cross the road, going down the high street towards the cathedral, on your right, on the corner there, there's a place called High Corner, High Corner is now a hotel guest, which is obviously a very popular place for people to stay if they're visiting the festival. And that was Butler's original home. Wow. That's where Butler lived. So okay. it's quite interesting that you know, the, the place was bought by, I think, a hotel and now apparently a very nice guest house. I've never been in myself. But, you know, in a sense, so Butler's whole you know, vision is still there. And in a sense... Even his home is now, you know, playing a, a significant part, for example, in housing, let's say, some, some of the more wealthy um, people who come to the festival, because it is apparently quite pricey. So I, I, presume, still, yeah, I presume the two things that struck me when I was there, um, the one mm. was that once you've got there, you don't need a car. I mean, you need to get to Grahamstown, but once you're there, you can walk everywhere. Yeah. And, and that's just an experience that for me was extraordinary coming from Joburg where I very rarely walk anywhere. This anywhere, thing of being yeah. able to walk home at half past 11 at night having watched a play and being in crowds of other people walking home at half past 11 at night who'd also just watched a play was, right. was wonderful. And the other was, mm. uh, this may not have struck you because you don't have small kids, but the one time I did make it to the festival, mm. um, I went down with small children and it was amazing because the there is a separate festival for children that you can book your kids into from quite small. I mean, right. I think I think Juliet was about three. I think I had a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old, and they were mm-hmm. all booked into the Grahamstown Children's Festival. And you kind of dropped mm-hmm. them off in the morning and picked them up in the early evening. And they did the most extraordinary art all day. And they went mm-hmm. they went to children appropriate. Uh, they got taken off to. Uh, various children's productions and they made art yep. and they made music and it was just I mean, it's just it's mm. it's it's like the perfect holiday venue for for parents with small kids that's my little punt because your children have a wonderful time and you don't have to be with them you can go and do adult things do adult things yeah and that's true i mean that is certainly true i don't know if they still do it but i know for many years in the 70s 80s i think up into the 90s there was even a further week, which was called the Schools Festival, yes. where they'd have you know, productions of, on, which were very much geared towards the sort of set workbooks in English and Afrikaans and other languages of school children. Uh-huh. And so they'd have, for example, a, a Shakespeare, which was, was, was geared towards the, Shakespeare they the set workbooks, the metric set book, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, I think that, that I don't know if they still do that. I suspect it's not not there anymore. 
but certainly those were the kinds of things that were being done. So, you know, it's it's something that, that I think has a real impact on people once they get into it. And, you know, you, you can go at any pace you like. I mean, I have a friend who's been there a number of times, and the problem is between about 8 o'clock in the morning and midnight, I mean, he doesn't stop. He just goes from one show to the next. I mean, I'm a little more slow and sedate, so I'm, <laughs> I'll catch one or two shows, or maybe three shows in a day. And, and you know, it, there's such variety, and it's also very well put together and packaged, so you actually you know where each show is, what the time is. They give you the time of the show, and they stick to their time. So when you, you know, you, could, you can say that this play lasts an hour and 20 minutes. The next show begins 40 minutes later. Uh, this is the venue in this street, and it's a 20-minute walk to get to the next place. So you can book everything in advance. You can do all those things. And as you say, you don't have to drive. It's such a relief. It is. I mean, because driving you know, is something you know, we do all the time. Just mm-hmm. nice to be able to walk around and enjoy things. Oh, it's an amazing experience. Well, I think that's our punt for the cultural life. And, you know, I, I often think that we can get, especially here in Joburg, we can get caught up into just the, the life of work and uh, production all the time. And, and there's something about nurturing nurturing our inner lives, nurturing our creative mm. lives that immersing oneself in something like the festival is just amazing Mm. and I was also very I mean I just I compared prices just for my own sake Mm. but the South African the Grahamstown Festival in comparison to something like the Edinburgh Festival is actually really Uh cheap I mean you know both in terms of getting there but then also in terms of being able to go to the shows the shows are even if you I when I was down there we you went to watch like it's terribly expensive it's terribly expensive but even if you're watching Mm. things like we saw we saw the Bolshoi Ballet and got tickets for, for sort of 60 rand a head, whereas when they came mm. to Joburg, they were 500. So it's kind of, yeah, you know, you can, you can almost justify paying for the trip by, by going to yeah. some of the more expensive shows that you would never see in Joburg. It's true. Well, it's true. And it shouldn't stop you from going to good shows in, in Joburg or Cape Town or wherever you live. Either. Because, you know, the whole thing with, with live theatre and live shows, I mean... If we if we neglect them, they will disappear. That is true. And it'll be so darn difficult to to revive sort of live theatre, live music, ballet stuff like that once it's been in a sense scrapped because of you know people just don't don't bother come to it. Mm. And it's a completely different experience to watching things that are on television. The the engagement mm. of an audience is different. Yeah. No, it's just something. I mean, if, if you've never been to a live theatre production, or you know, even if it's a story you know so well. I mean, I remember about two, three years ago, they had that amazing production of Hamlet, mm. which was set on a ship. Mm-hmm. You know, it was basically the background was the, the the sailors are playing the parts, so you have Gertrude and Beard. I mean, things like that. But it works, and. The thing is, in a theatre, when you when you listen to these voices, when you see them, and you realise it's not a film, it's just so totally different. You engage with it in a wholly different way. Mm-hmm. I think that's the word I like, engage. There's something very engaging about live theatre, about dance, that just draws you in in the moment. Mm. Well, Anthony, thank you very much for chatting to us this morning and inspiring Pleasure. us with 
um, your stories of the Graham Sound Festival and hopefully we've inspired some others to think about because now's the time, of course, to plan next year's visit to the festival. These, these things take time. But thank you very much for, for the time and for the insight into this year's festival and hopefully we'll hear from you about what you do at the festival next year. Yeah, hopefully, yes. Excellent. Okay, God bless. Thank you, Francis. Thank you. So there we were talking to Father Anthony Egan, who was down at the Grahamstown Festival. I, I forgot to ask him in more depth about what he was talking about at the festival, but some of you know that in the past, Anthony's also produced a play at the festival. He did a one-man play last year and the year before on um, the life of Archbishop Romero. So this year he was just giving a paper, but uh, his his love of theatre and of all things dramatic really coming across there. We're going to move now to a piece of music and we'll be listening to Love Goes On by Bernadette Farrell. <laughs> 